Welcome in. It's the Minnesota Football Party today. I'm Sam Ekstrom, along with Reef Hassan of Pro Football Network and Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. Not the usual cheery intro today on this show because we begin with Damar Hamlin. Uh, at some point, we'll get to Vikings-Packers, the fallout from that game, playoff scenarios, the Vikings losing national respect. We'll get to all of that. We'll, we'll talk Minnesota Vikings football. But I think everybody in the football community is thinking about DeMar Hamlin um, and what he went through last night. Quick, quick overview. If you somehow haven't seen or heard the news, DeMar Hamlin uh, makes a tackle of T. Higgins last night, gets up briefly, and then collapses uh, cardiac arrest. He was put in an ambulance. He was brought to a hospital where he is in critical condition, and the game was postponed there's been so much already said about this i mean in the you know 13 hours since it occurred so much on twitter so much on tv um and i I give the floor to you guys as well to give your two cents on on everything that occurred last night and i'll weigh in as well but um arif Hassan, luke braun the floor is yours arif uh your reaction to what we observed last night with damar hamlin yeah, I'll have a uh, more kind of fully fleshed out reaction over at um, Pro Football Network where I'll have some time to kind of gather my thoughts to make sure uh, that everything I'm saying, you know, kind of makes sense in the context of, you know, talking about the league's responsibility, talking about how it was handled the 43 minutes between the game pause and the official decision to suspend uh, the game. Uh, my frustrations with that, my issues with the way that the NFL handled it. But I think initially it's just really important to say that this is one of the most terrifying moments we've seen in league history and certainly that I've seen uh, as someone watching and covering the game uh, over the past decade and a half. Uh, it's something that it, it is impossible to get away from. It's something that gives us some really important perspective, both on the things that are important to us, important in life, uh, and how they relate to kind of this this passion that we all have for football but also how important it is that we treat players with the kind of respect they deserve for for doing this for entertainment. Um, I am both happy and sad that DeMar Hamlin's family was in attendance, happy that they were able to travel with him to the hospital. Um, I can't imagine being at home and not being able to, to visit your son in that situation and sad that they had to see it. Uh, We don't know kind of what's going to happen with Hamlin. um, And it is unfortunate to see the amount of speculation largely on Twitter. Uh, We haven't seen it as much on TV or radio, but it's unfortunate to see the amount of speculation that's surrounded Hamlin because we have a desire to know what's going on. And it's something I fully understand. It's, it's who I am as a person. I want to know what's going on but we're just not going to know what's going on and um, telling people that this or that is exactly what happened. Um, It contributes to, you know, a lot of, a lot of bad things depending on kind of the way that that people characterize it. So for now, you know, my thoughts are, are with Hamlin Um, with Hamlin, his family and the players who were there who will be expected to play a game. It sounds like within two days, and uh, who I think are not being given the time to process what had happened, because even if, you know, we see the best case scenario, and hopefully we do, that's a traumatic event to have to experience. And uh, and, I, and I feel for the players as well. Luke? Yeah, I'll keep it short because my thoughts are also more fully fleshed out elsewhere. Uh, Ross Jackson and I did Locked on NFL. Uh, for Tuesday morning and talked at length about uh, all of the ins and outs of this. Um, so I, I will just say that in situations like this, patience and kindness are rarely the wrong idea, uh, especially like be nice to yourself. Your brain's not wired to handle watching someone almost die on live TV that's not a normal thing to go through. And if that mess you up a little bit, it's okay. It's okay to feel weird about watching football. Uh, Don't feel like you have to 
get over it because of the distance between yourself and and football as a fan. Your brain is wired to watch someone play an actor that needs CPR on TV. Your brain is not wired to watch someone actually need CPR on uh, live TV and to need see teammates have to make a wall around him because they, they don't have a privacy curtain out there on the midfield logo. Um, yeah, that's I, I I'll, I'll leave it at that for more. I, I'll just point to uh, locked on NFL and also the first five or so minutes of locked on Vikings. Thanks Luke. Thanks Arif. Um, yeah. In, injuries like this, um, life-threatening events like this, they stick with you. I mean, I, I think of, all the times in my life when when I've been around someone get injured, whether it's in a sporting event, you know, and and like Master Tesfatsian pointed this out on Twitter last night, Reggie Brown in 1997, I was five, maybe six. And I remember that. I remember seeing Reggie Brown struggle for his life for the Detroit Lions. I mean, th- this type of stuff sears in your memory. And I, I, I know that a lot of people have pointed out too that the players – have certainly like endured some trauma as well. The fans in attendance, like this, this is not going to just go away in a couple of days with the news cycle. This is this is a core uh, event. Um, I I think that in times like these, there's definitely there's hand wringing and finger pointing to some extent. You know, people get upset about the league's response with the five minutes to prepare to go back on the field. People upset about a Skip Bayless tweet. But I'm also choosing to look too at kind of the unbelievable goodness of of humans too. Like they've raised three million dollars for Demar Hamlin's co- uh, toy drive. How unbelievable is that? I mean, I think the the coverage on ESPN was very good. The outpouring at the hospital, people showing up um, to give their condolences and to pray and to to just hold vigil, I thought was all very incredible. And I wish it didn't require tragedy for humans to be this good all the time. Um, I wish we were just naturally drawn to that behavior, but, um, you know, it takes something like this, which is so difficult to stomach. Um, so the latest that we know is that, uh, they revived Hamlin's heartbeat on the field. Uh, they got him to the hospital where he, he is sedated. They were at one point reported to be giving a press conference last night, and then they decided not to do that. No clue what that means but we're still very scarce on details. So you might be watching this uh, a day or even two days later. We're recording this Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central. And that's the latest that we have at this time. Uh, thank you, Reeve, for your thoughts. Thank you, Luke, for yours. And uh, we will talk or attempt to talk about Vikings football um, and get our first reaction into that Vikings-Packers debacle. Um, thanks so much for watching. It is the Minnesota Football Party. All right, uh, Minnesota Vikings lose 41-17 at Green Bay, at Lambeau Field. Um, this was another clunker. This was the Cowboys game reincarnate. And uh, the Minnesota Vikings fall to 12-4. and They're out of the two seed. And another national TV embarrassment in front of uh, Tony Romo and Jim Nance. So, Arif, if there's a major takeaway for you out of this football game, what would it be? Yeah, I mean, you never want to draw, you know, too big of a takeaway from one single game. You know, had we done that after the first Packers game, I think we get the wrong impression of the team. Same thing with that Lions game. Same thing with the Eagles game. I think that this Packers game represents something that has been true about the Vikings, which is that they play with very small margins of error. Um, you know, being able to come back against the Colts is one thing. Being able to come and get back against the Packers is another thing. Both of those games share a similarity. There were two um, really important high-frequency events that don't speak to the quality of the teams. That is the punt block return touchdown and the kickoff return touchdown. Um, but uh, against the Colts, you were simply the better team. Against the Packers, that wasn't the case. I think that the Vikings are a slightly better team than the Packers, but a number of things mounted up against the Vikings, both in terms of low-frequency events, like the ones that I just mentioned, ones that don't really reflect the quality of the team, as well as things that are uh, that make you lose marginal edges, things like wearing the wrong cleats in the stadium. You know, I think that that obviously played a pretty significant role. The arguments I had on Twitter afterwards were very annoying about it, but I think it's pretty clear that the players don't have their footing. They cannot play football very well. Um, you know, for people who are unfamiliar, 
the Vikings knew beforehand that the footing at Lambeau Field would be pretty difficult, and uh, the equipment manager recommended and head coach Kevin O'Connell told the team that they'd be better off wearing the seven stud cleats instead of the normal five stud cleats. As far as I remember, Sam, uh, you probably have better access to reporting on this one, but I think that that is accurate. And many players, uh, one of whom was Justin Jefferson, another of whom I believe was TJ Hawkinson, and I want to say also Adam Thielen did not practice in the seven stud cleats over the course of the week and then did not play to start the game in those cleats. KJ Osborne, however, did. Uh, he never seemed to have fallen down and said after the game that his footing was fine throughout the entire game. Uh, mm-hmm. Players falling down, players missing timing. Like, it's not just falling down. It's missing the timing in your routes. It's not being able to execute all the moves that you feel capable of executing. Football is a game where you need to explode out of your breaks, where you need to have contact with the ground to generate all of your power and not having the friction you need to be able to generate all of the kind of football techniques that are necessary to execute the game well plays a pretty significant role in your ability to execute. But also the Vikings seem pretty unprepared for the Packers' quick game. They seem pretty unprepared for the way that the Packers wanted to attack their protections. Uh, And they seemed unprepared for the way that Jair Alexander and the safety, whoever was going to be over him on that particular play, would double or in some cases triple team Justin Jefferson, a, a strategy that they saw both with the Eagles and the Lions that they still don't seem to have the capacity to beat, even though Jefferson went off against the Lions the second time around, it seemed like that they just didn't have any alternate responses. Their response seems to be, well, we'll just find new ways to get Jefferson open. Sometimes that happened. Sometimes Kirk made the wrong read, but they need to be able to throw to other players. And, you know, maybe that was the hope was that that would be Hawkinson, who seemed, you know, like I said, you know, unstable for, for a lot of the game. But, you know, you need to get Adam Thielen involved. You know, the fact that he wasn't mm-hmm. very involved was kind of confusing. And I think that, again, there are some questions about whether or not he's getting open. I haven't watched the All-22 from this game, but I have a bet that he probably was, given his history over the course of this year of getting open and not receiving targets. And, of course, you have a player that's playing really well in K.J. Osborne. They didn't utilize him nearly enough. Yeah, uh, the Vikings looked slow in this game. Maybe this was a clean issue. Maybe this was an energy issue. I just thought that the goal line sequence was the epitome of it. Oh, yeah. From the one yard line, the the slow developing kind of route on first down incomplete, then a, a sluggish handoff on second down. The offensive line was getting plowed through. Just a really meager three-play sequence. And then a scared coaching decision from Kevin O'Connell to not go for it on fourth down. That that set the tone right there. But throughout the game, really no separation. No separation at all. Run game lacked any kind of explosiveness, except for Kirk, Kirk Vick. Um, and defensively, you know, just not just not in the right position, particularly in the second half. Uh, Luke Braun, you're after I know, and and let's we'll throw Luke under the bus. He was at Rams Chargers. He admitted this yep. on the postcast. I'm a fake fan. Oh, so wow. He, oh wow. He missed it. He missed the. Yep. He did not have to endure what other Vikings fans had to endure. So Luke it's is probably a, is this Luke Braun's fault? That's it's about that. Yeah, I didn't live tweet, Lame. so I couldn't tweet yeah. really mean Shame. things at the Vikings in the first yeah. half that could right. then age poorly. Yeah, That's yeah. Rough. Did you get your way? Did you make your way through the all twenty-two without gouging your eyes out? Almost. I'm almost done with it. I've watched all the offense, but not all the defense. Um. I uh, yeah, I want to echo the cleats thing. That bugs me a lot. That is just a really big mistake in preparation that's really inexcusable. Uh to not practice in the in the seven stud cleats all day cuz you'll be a little slower in seven stud cleats. Like that's just kind of part of it and that's probably why players were like resistant to it. And football is a game of so many precise timings that I like I get the hesitancy to to change the speed and timing of, of certain things. Um, but if you practice all week with that, then you should be able to adjust to it. Um, so I don't think that there's really any, any excuse for just like not understanding that you're going to play on wet grass and that that's slippery. You play at Lambo once a year. I mean, like you've been there and Dennis Ryan has been in this organization for about a hundred years. Listen to that guy next time. Jesus. Uh, and <laughs> then having to switch it on the fly. Now you're dealing with those different timings, you know, after everybody changes shoes 
which by then it was far too late. It was already middle of the second quarter. You're down by 24. Um, then you're adjusting to those different timings on the fly and things are all just going to be that much harder. I, I think it had a profound impact on the offense. There are so many instances of guys falling over and yeah, that those guys being part of the progression that Kirk Cousins had to go through. And now he has to like change everything because the route that was supposed to like pin the linebacker down just fell down. <laughs> Are you going to have like a super um, cut of all the times they fell over on the L22? I think that would be. I am tweet. working on one. Yakety right. sacks. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We're that's that, 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 not specifically yakety sacks, but don't worry. Audio some, is involved. Some, some backing music that won't be DMCA claimed on Twitter. Uh, perhaps. Uh, it's the For, Wild West with Elon's Twitter. Do whatever. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Free speech. Um, Just play something from Disney. We'll see what happens. <laughs> you just want my account to get banned what that me uh, never <laughs> um but yeah that bugs me a lot like that's that had such a profound impact on the game and it's like you don't deserve to beat anyone if you don't know how to prepare for playing oh, yeah. outside like to play on not turf for once you don't deserve to beat tcu if you can't do that um but beyond that uh, also to echo what Arif said with like they Jeff Jefferson experienced the same like press trail with a safety over the top half looks on his side, call it Zeus or whatever that the Eagles and lions did. You've seen this game plan before and I'm kind of surprised that other teams didn't do like that a lot to him. The Cowboys did it a lot to him too. Um, I mean, the Lions seems... did do some version of it. The second less, they did do some version of it the second time around. Yeah. But I mean, the Vikings had answers to it that time, I think, because and Jefferson just kind of wills himself and open sometimes. Like in the, that yeah. Lions game, he was well, yeah. making absurd catches, but in double coverage. It's not as if he yeah. was always open. That's an important point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And there's ways to get open against cover two that have been around for about 45 years. So there's there's like ways to do this. None of this is an excuse. Um and to be this late in the season and, and struggling this much with simple things. And then I, I also think the impact of, of Chris Reed not being able to do the snap huge, uh, was huge. Yeah. Because I mean, what was that? Four different pre-snap penalties when he was actually up and blocking, he didn't do the worst job. Like it was not something that I am like super panicky about. Like, I mean, he's a third stringer. He's not going to be, uh, ideal and there definitely were moments where uh, there's one of those goal line plays was Chris Reed getting absolutely like whiffing on on the goal line uh but learn the snap counts you've been in the uh, organization since like May you should know the snap counts yeah and he knew that he was the backup center for the entire time Bradbury's been out like, right Logan goes down you're going in yeah that's that's the so, issue like like you even said though it's are. not his natural position like yeah you sh you have to know it You've been in this place where you're one injury away from going in for like what three, four weeks. You yeah. gotta know that stuff, and it'll be an emphasis. It'll be cleaned up, but that doesn't mean we we have to stop being mad about it right now. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's it's gonna be fine, Luke, because it's not as if they have last year's worst right guard in the NFL next to this year's worst right guard in the NFL on the right side of the line, so it's gonna be fine. Oh yeah, you're you're good, you're good. Oh, no. Really? Uh... <laughs> I mean, I, Chris Reed did? I totally forgot Oli Udo had to play. Goodness yeah, gracious. Yeah. Oli Udo is going to be playing. Almost yeah, certainly. Will, will be playing. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, now, the entire right side of that line is going to continue to be a disaster. The question is whether or not that's going to include Chris Reed going forward. I think that we can probably trust that it's going to be a little bit of a concern with uh, Udo and Ingram. The thing, I think you're right, Luke, is that watching him block, it, I felt like as a pure blocker, probably better than Bradbury. That's not the job. The, <laughs> that's not the job. The job is to be the center, right? The job is to snap mm -hmm. the ball. And the difficulties that, that centers have are people transitioning to center, um, not just with the timing and the cadence, but getting their elbow in after the snap so that they have a base with which to block from. I mean, that technical aspect of being a center is so difficult that Across the NFL, they have changed the way shotgun snaps operate in order to make that a little bit easier. Um, they now float the ball instead of spiral the ball back. It is wild seeing new centers do this. 
Um, that's only a shotgun snaps under center. It's a little bit different. And obviously you have to get your timing right. But the fact that Chris Reed adapted to it, I think speaks to his capacity as a blocker, but you just can't, you cannot be a center if you can't snap well. And if you can't get the timings with cadence, right. And an NFL team needs to have a complex system for timing and cadence, or they will get destroyed at the yeah. line of scrimmage. They will get mauled. Um, and so not having that available to you is so much bigger than the difference between the 15th best center, the 20th best center, or the 20th best center, and the 32nd best center. That is an enormous difference because you will never get the run game going, and you will absolutely get blitzed uh, with uh, obscene timing if you can't get it right. So yeah. um, that played a pretty big role, obviously, Udo, uh, you know, not being and, – and just like having all of your problems on one side of the line is – you know, a factor of magnitude worse than having, say, it's a left guard and a right guard, but your center's good mm -hmm. and your tackles are good, right? That it's worse when it's a right guard and a right tackle, and maybe your center's also causing you problems. Oh, I feel bad also for Ezra Cleveland, who has a penalty to his name because of mistakes that Chris Reed made. That's rough. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, despite all of this, as as a like from a pure blocking standpoint, you, Ed Ingram had a backup on either side of him and was by far the worst lineman on the field. <laughs> He oh was yeah, absolutely worked by Kenny Clark. It's, like, it's, just it's ab it's, it was like the opposite of LSU, where everybody's bad, but Ed Ingram clearly was the best. Yeah, <laughs> on that offensive line, and now it's just like, just, oh, oh, this is like a whole different ball game. This is two backups in, and Kenny Clark was like, nah, I'll keep going up on sixty-seven. Yeah, Ke Kenny Clark working sacks. through Ed Ingram and Oli Udo for one of the, for the strip sack, right? Oh yeah. Jesus, I'd be stunned if Brian O'Neill plays before the NFC championship, like that's best case scenario. You don't use the words pretty significant. Oh yeah. Yeah. About an injury. That's going to be fine in a week. Um, I think only Udo, Udo is the guy. Now, whether they add help uh, off the street to, to bring someone in, I guess, I mean, I don't know if that's preferable to someone it's who's Jake been Long in the building. What is Jake Long up to? Yeah. Rashad Hill. <laughs> Is Rashad Hill on a roster? The and the Blake Brandle injury now looms yeah, large that's because so I, big. I think so you well. could probably trust Brandle a lot more than Oliudo. Now Oliudo was just not a good guard inside; did not suit him. I think people liked him more as a tackle anyway. So maybe this will be all right, um, but it's still very problematic. It's very problematic because your bookends were the strength, and now that's suddenly a huge vulnerability um i, I want to get into more of the kind of overarching what do we take away from the way the vikings look now um we'll put a bow maybe on the peter bukowski fraud conversation um after i tell you about betonline.net that brings you today's show all the lines all the leagues all the games uh nfl week 18 lines vikings are favored by three and a half at soldier field you've had all the bowl week bowl game lines uh tcu 13 point dogs in the national championship game and uh arif Hassan's north dakota state team five point dogs in the fcs fbf fcs championship game uh get all of that and more and on your mobile device as well at betonline.net it's where the game starts um i can't believe you man and dsu your favorite team go jackrabbits <laughs> The the conversation on this channel devolved last week very quickly um, because Peter Bukowski, let's be honest, he was living rent-free in our heads. Uh, he was on several of our shows. He <laughs> explained, explained his case um, that the Vikings are frauds. He backed it up with, you know, numerical evidence. And I, I think it was kind of like when you have an annoying little brother, you can insult him all you want. But if someone from outside the family says it, then you got to defend yourself. We've been saying the same stuff as Peter all year. Similar. Right? I, I want, Sim want to be similar. similar. We weren't saying the Packers were better, but we were, we were, we were, we were waving the warning flags. We were saying, Hey, look out for this. This is maybe kind of bad. This maybe doesn't, isn't a great indicator of future success. And there are similar arguments that we're both making. And we've been, cautioning i think that this team was playing with house money um and i think that is almost now the majority position i think our job as reporter journalists is to 
point out the non-obvious. And for a while, the non-obvious was, hey, guys, the Vikings might not be as good as you think. And then now it's become the majority position. And I'm almost inclined to say, hey, you know, this is why the Vikings aren't so bad. I just want to keep pushing back to be a little bit more contrarian. Um, so now that the Vikings have fallen into the three seed at 12 and four, what are they? What are they? Did they prove to be frauds? Or is there still hope going forward that this team can get it together in the postseason? Ron? Well, they certainly can't beat the New York Giants. That's never a thing that's happened. <laughs> I mean, who cares? They're in a single elimination format soon. So whether they're real or not, it's will they beat the New York Giants? And I, I guess yep. if you want to use that to try to set a betting line, like that's probably what's going into that. Um, but we live now in a world that is so small sample that the overall trends and edges are just like reduced so much and weird little moments are going to be amplified. Noise is going to be amplified such when you get into the, to this, to single elimination playoffs that my eyes are going to start glazing over when people start saying frauds and I'm going to start falling asleep. It's, it has become a very boring conversation. I got bored with my conversation with Peter about halfway through. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> can we talk about football? Because this isn't talking about football anymore, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, they, they are yeah. so anomalous that to the outside market, yeah. to yeah. the outside, to national media, you know, the Guardians writing about it, to everybody else who doesn't watch the games, the numbers are jarring. Like, I can see why you would want to talk about it. I think in market, I think we understand that that's the case, but we also see the nuance. And therein lies sort of the frustration with it is that there is maybe a little more to this team than the numbers would say. Although the defense has officially caught up. Like remember early on, they were like 32nd in point in yards allowed and ninth in points allowed. Well, it is evened out 31st allowed in points and yards. So that is finally uh, come to roost, which is arguably the biggest issue with this team is that like points allowed in the last eight weeks or something. It's like, 30 or more in six of those games that that can't happen in the that, postseason. that includes special teams and you're not wrong points though right <laughs> yeah you're, you're not wrong it's it's yeah so okay so the issue for me here is um we're seeing kind of the other shoe fall but again it's like not much of an indication of kind of the team that they are from a broad perspective right so the vikings had a bunch of um, balls bounced the wrong way, right? Um, both the Colts game and the Packers game. And again, the Colts were a substantially worse team. And so, you know, they didn't get to mount this a similar comeback opportunity against the Packers because the Packers are just a little bit more talented. The defense has been getting better for them for the past couple of weeks. The offense has been getting better as well for them for the past couple of weeks. Uh, and so it, it was just kind of difficult to overcome circumstances like bad luck. Uh, saying that the Vikings benefited from good luck, largely I think that that's true. Um, the question kind of is, if the Vikings are, you know, frauds or, or not as good as a 12-win team or the worst, you know, whatever win team in NFL history, all of which I think is true, right? Like, but it's like a, a, the worst 12-win team in NFL history is probably a good team, right? Like, that's the difference, mm -hmm. right? When yeah. you when you frame it like that, it makes it sound catastrophically bad. Um, you know, it, it, and it's interesting. I think one of the things that, that comes up when people bring up this discussion is like, hey, they're like the third or fourth or fifth best graded overall team by PFF. If you listen to PFF analysts talk about the Vikings, they're saying the same things, you know, whether it is, you know, people that do some of the grading, whether it's some of the people um, that evaluate the grades, but don't really rely on them. People like, you know, Trevor Sikama and Mike Renner over on their podcast, or people who've got kind of a mix of that, like Sam Monson, Steve Palazzolo on their podcast, or the data people like uh, formerly of PFF, Eric Eager, um, or, or the current data people that work there, all of them have very similar opinions on the Vikings. And it is not that they're the third or fourth best team. So I think that the grade situation is a little bit interesting. I think what happens here is rather that instead of having this constant, because we know, right, the Vikings are what, 25th in DVOA, they're like 16th in net EPA per play, they're like 14th or 17th in a drive success, right? All of these are more stable statistics than like points scored, points allowed, more stable statistics by far than wins. Okay, fine, that's all true. The question is how and why, right? 
we can have a discussion. Hey, maybe the Vikings have like really perfected some of this red zone stuff that, you know, it shows up as anomalous here. I don't think that that's the case, but you know, that's something that was true of the Vikings defense under the Mike Zimmer era. They just happened to be a good red zone defense. And that, that uh, persisted again and again and again. So if there is something that shows up on film or from a technical perspective, um, or, you know, maybe we, we need to accept that there are some level of variance, but then we need to calculate the odds, right? You know, what are the odds that a team this bad goes 12 and three? What are the odds that a team this bad goes 12 and three? What are the odds that this team goes, you know, 12 and four, whatever, right? Um, if we can calculate those odds, we can have a better discussion about what, what were like the effect or the importance of the measures that we're using here versus the likelihood that there is something that we're missing. And I think that we would calculate, you know, if, for example, DVOA was our metric, 25th best team by DVOA, I think, right? The odds of the 25th best team in the NFL going 12 and four or whatever, right? Astronomically low, astronomically low. It is more likely to me that the measure is incorrect in some way than that, you know, this is all because of variance. And so our job is to figure out kind of what, the difference is here. Now, if we're using, like, say, EPA per play, whether like 16th or something, I don't know, maybe, you know, that that is not astronomically low. That is within season to season variance and something that you can see. But, you know, there, there is something to be had here that gives us more insight into the measurements that we use and how those measurements can fail to capture some of the realities of the NFL rather than just talking about because. I'm tired of the discussion too. And I, I think out of all of us was the biggest, you know, hey, the Vikings are not as good as their record guy. I still think that, but it's not as interesting a conversation anymore, especially after we saw mm -hmm. the Packers beat down, the Cowboys beat down and so on. So how do the Vikings approach week 18? Um, I like the Giants matchup and I'm okay, to be honest, at this point, I think being the three. Also, are the Arizona Cardinals maybe trotting out a fifth consecutive new quarterback? Oh, Spin yeah. Spin the roulette wheel. Who knows oh, who's going to be their quarterback? Oh, David Blau last week, former Viking Our David hero. Blau. Yeah. Um, and maybe that was really the the loss that pushed the Vikings toward this uh, this lopsided defeat. Maybe losing Blau was the key. But and Best quarterback in Purdue history. Don't look that up. I think that's accurate. Just colloquially, from what I've heard on the street, that's that's correct. Yeah. Best quarterback in Purdue history to never fall for a pyramid scheme. There you go. Or to never advocate for one. That's even worse. <laughs> True. Could have gone through. <laughs> the Cardinals aren't beating the 49ers. It's not going to happen. Now, I know the NFL didn't do the Vikings a great favor here. They put the Vikings early and the 49ers late, so they can't even sort of scoreboard watch and say okay it's over over there we can we can take the foot off the gas like the vikings may actually be compelled to try and win the game and put pressure on san francisco which i think is a fool's errand i don't think this game means a thing am i wrong uh i mean i'm with you for the most part i mean i'm, I'm not i've seen some I, pretty, I pretty crazy stuff happen this season <laughs> yeah but like it's like what's what are the odds, right? Like right. I, I don't think it's worth a twenty percent chance of being at home instead of on the road in the specific scenario where San Francisco and Minnesota both win their wild card games. Like the odds of this being an important decision are existent but low. And the odds of an injury or, or something else occurring or the odds of that extra bit of rest being really important when the playoffs start, I think, are higher. I think, and I, I'm 100% honest about this, I think Vikings fans need to root for Green Bay to win and then root for Green Bay to win again in the first round. And I think that is not impossible. I think Green is, Bay is it would, because there'd be something cathartic in a revenge game, or or because they'd be a better matchup. No, no, but no. If it works that way, then the Vikings they would reorder the seeding, so the Vikings would not play Green Bay. They would play the four five winner. Oh, so you, the, okay. When you say win again, I thought you meant like meet them in the divisional round. Okay. No, no. So I'm saying the Packers would face the two. Right. Root for Green Bay to knock off San Francisco in a revenge game for them. Oh, of previous years, yeah, um, and set up the Vikings to to have that divisional, and home then they game. go to Philly. I I just think that if you oh, well, want that, that wrong. because if you're the three, then you're obviously rooting for the seven to win, 
And what better seven to pull that upset than Rodgers? Like, who are you going to trust in that in that setting? Goff? Gino? Okay, I, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. So I want the chaotic energy of the Lions in that game. Um, I so, okay, first of all, that rules. Um, just getting that out there. That is correct. Uh, I would love the chaotic energy lines. Second, I, I get what you're saying, right? Is that you want to play a lower seed. You want to play a non-divisional winner, a six or a seven. And if that's six, and if that six is the Packers, right? Um, it'd be, it'd be tough to, to play them until the championship game, right? If you're the two. Um, but if that seven is the Packers, you get to play them. Right. Um, and, that would and the Packers have a better chance of beating San Francisco. So the worry is whether you play San Francisco or the Packers, because you don't think that there's a chance that you'll end up playing the Lions because the Lions would not beat the 49ers. You'd prefer to play the Lions, but that is not, according to you, Sam, within a likely realm of possibility. It's either the 49ers or the Packers, you'd rather play the Packers, right? Because the 49ers in this world have a guaranteed chance of advancing past the Lions. They do not have a guaranteed chance of passing uh, of surpassing. Uh, the Packers. That's interesting. I would only prefer it because of the catharsis of beating the Packers in the playoffs. That's the only reason I would prefer it is kind of the emotional which, energy of getting that back. That would be which NFC would have championship. to be the NFC championship, but which would be fantastic. Like awesome. Packers NFC championship yes. would be awesome. Uh, but otherwise that would also mean that the Packers went into Philly and won, which would be hilarious. Oh, actually that would be very funny. Yeah. But even yeah, funnier. I, there's there's, the there's a lot of funny scenarios here, but the Lions winning, I think, is the funniest. Yes. The more the Lions win, the funnier it gets. Yes. Absolutely. That, that's like the rule of mm -hmm. comedy, I think. I think Kant said that. <laughs> the rule of Lions comedy. Yeah. Emmanuel Kant in On Humor in 1883. <laughs> the more the Lions win, the funnier it gets. Uh, Vikings would need a win. A San Francisco loss to be the two. The Vikings are probably locked into the three. And the Giants are locked into the six, which means Vikings-Giants, a likely rematch in the wild card round. I think this is, like, I've talked myself in, and this is probably just, you know, self-preservation. I've talked myself into this. I think Vikings-Giants is the best possible outcome. Um, there are elements of Green Bay, Detroit, and the Seahawks that would scare me if I were Vikings fans. I still, even though they took the Vikings to the very end, but they needed a, a late touchdown and two-point conversion to do it. I think the Giants are so beatable. I think they're so beatable. Um, I don't believe when, in their when you offense. Say that, that's fine. When I say it, somebody quotes me on Twitter after the Vikings lose, and my mentions are ruined for the next two hours. You have too many followers, Arif. You should just like cut yeah. thirty thousand of them loose and just live at low altitude like me. It's a good place. You gotta get canceled. Yeah. Oh God, please. <laughs> Arif makes a lot of politically insensitive comments. We can. Uh, we yeah. can that that is just true, something. though. Yeah, we can figure something out. Yeah, we yeah. can arrange it. Uh, Arif, out of context. Do you have a uh, a parody account, Arif? Uh, there's a Norse Code out of context account that. Oh, honestly, it's it's bangers. I didn't like it at first, but it's pretty incredible <laughs> it does That's it awesome. does uh, that account does engage with this show as well yeah it, it occasionally does other podcasts it's done purple outsiders it's done lockdown viking or locked i i have yeah i yeah, have seen vikings and minnesota yeah. football party yeah i have yeah. seen that that's good um i got a couple more talkers for you after this quick word from built bar um if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, you got to try Built Bar. Hopefully, you got some for the holiday season in your stocking. And maybe your New Year's resolution is to eat a little healthier this year. Well, those two go hand in hand because with Built Bar, you eat healthy, but you also eat tasty. You're getting 100% real chocolate. You're getting unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. It's real chocolate. It's delicious flavors. And yet, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein to re-energize you. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can also go to Sam's Club. Get a 13-bar box with the hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. Thank me later. Find the new Built Bar flavors. Walmart, Sam's Club. You won't regret it. Okay, gentlemen. Um... We've talked about the offensive line. We've talked about week 18. We mentioned something earlier about Adam Thielen. And I'm I'm suspicious about this, Luke. I think I brought it up on the postcast. 
I, I wonder if the Vikings have made a tactical adjustment in the way that Thielen is being deployed because Osborne has gotten, it's got to be six or seven times more targets the past three or so weeks, really since his his breakout game. Um, all the, the quotes that came out of the locker room were, we believe that KJ Osborne can do this every week. We believe we should have been doing this like all along. We should have been targeting KJ Osborne. I think they're I think they're following through on this, and I think it's coming at Thielen's expense. And I guess I'm just wondering if you believe this is is this legitimately the Vikings changing the route tree to put Osborne in, in favorable spots? Is this Cousins like changing his level of trust and like shifting it from Thielen to Osborne? What is the the reason for this precipitous? And it was already kind of suspicious, but now I would say it is precipitous drop for Adam Thielen. Uh, the Vikings have started they're... listening to some of the smartest podcasters in the space. <laughs> that's what's, that's the change. Who? Me. Definitely not you. You who I think no, called Adam Thielen a top 20 receiver like three weeks ago. Yeah. Got it. Got it. <laughs> I don't think an offense has that much control over who actually gets targeted unless they want to like force it or, I think I think you can control who the first read is, and that's always Jefferson. But after that, it has a lot to do with pre-snap, and it's it's almost more in in the quarterback's hands or in just like who gets open or or what the, I, the coverage I don't, is. I don't know about that. I think like one example that might help me explain what I want to say more than than just saying that that's not necessarily true is like something like a smash concept, right? You designate who the underneath guy is and who the corner is, right? And you can say, hey. The guy running the corner route, that's going to be our number one receiver. We want to target him if we suspect that the cornerback is sinking, right? We want to target him if we suspect that the safety is a yard or two off in his cover two landmark, right? So that's the number one guy. But you will, if you're leveraging, especially off that cornerback, you will throw to the number two, right? You will throw the smash unless there's a backside alert, right? So you can yeah, design. Unless you see single high and you don't want to throw smash at all, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying they have perfect control. This. No, I agree. There's no perfect control in that scenario. But for the most part, those plays don't change at the line of scrimmage. If you have a, if you have you, you see two high or single high. Right. There's likely um, a route concept on one side that beats single high. There's a route concept on another side that beats too high and probably a route adjustment for your number one receiver to adapt to kind of whatever's happening. Like, hey, they're running quarters on this side. Right. And so you're just going to need to, uh, you know, cross the cross the safety on a post instead of running that corner. Right. OK, fine. Um, but I, I think that knowing kind of what teams, what their game plan is, knowing what most likely coverages they're going to run. Right. Knowing how those route concepts are designed, you can't ensure that someone is the second most targeted receiver, but you can fudge the numbers a fair amount to make sure your number two guy sees a couple more looks based on the defenses that you anticipate in the, in the plays that you call in the route concepts that are paired together. And I would say probably there's nothing in here over the past couple of weeks that tells us that, you know, that nudging has occurred in Osborne's favor. We could very easily explain all of this in variance, but I would absolutely say that it's occurred in TJ Hawkinson's favor. I don't I think there's any question about that. It's Hawkinson. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. Hawkinson. That's the thing. So between Osborne and Thielen, I don't know. Maybe Osborne is in the progression. Maybe the plays are being called or helping. Maybe Osborne's open a little bit more often. I don't know about that last one, but maybe that's interesting. Um, but it's Hawkinson. Hawkinson is stealing all of Thielen's targets. Um, and, and so that's, I think, kind of the more interesting element of that. Whether or not it's worth it, I think, despite his performance yesterday, I think it probably is. Um be nice if he caught the ball, I think, a little bit more consistently. But, you know, drop rate is overrated when it comes to tight ends and receivers anyway. Um, I, I think I think the difference between Osborne and Thielen's receptions, which, by the way, I mean, I think is Thielen still outproducing Osborne, I think, season total, right? Barely. Yeah. Uh, Barely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't know. I, I think that that's just, you know, your number three, which is one of those two is is changing but your number one and your number two i think are really stable for the vikings um all right nerdy stat of the day let's oh, uh let's let's bust them out <laughs> <laughs> uh we uh we like our analytics here so uh we have this segment with a very fun intro analytics fans rejoice 
It's time to get educated. Whoa, you're blowing my mind right now. With the nerdy stat of the day. Yes, it's time for the nerdy stat of the day. I'll go first. My stat isn't necessarily nerdy. I just wanted to give Duke Shelley love. Um, Because Duke Shelley continues to play well. And the sample size is growing. He's now played in half the games, at least a little bit. He has 350 snaps. These are the Duke Shelley stats. He is the number 19 corner in the NFL. He is 13th in completion percentage against, 21st in passer rating against, 12th in pure coverage grade, which doesn't take into account um, run defense, tackling, things like that. He was also selected over a healthy Cameron Dantzler to start. I think last week it was justifiable because Dantzler was coming off um, an illness. Then he had maybe a little ankle tweak. That wasn't the case this week. They went with Duke Shelley. Duke Shelley is probably... It feels like your playoff starter at corner, yep. and he's been unbelievable. Duke Shelley. Yep. Uh, especially because Dantzler got in at the end of the game with the twos, which you wouldn't do if you were concerned about his health, and he wasn't on the injury report anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Duke Shelley just won the job, and <laughs> what's cool about that is Christian Watson, who's got like two tenths on him in the 40, couldn't get a long ball on him for the first quarter, and they tried like four times, and then they stopped doing that because... They realized they couldn't pick on Duke Shelley, started picking on Shannon Sullivan, Shannon Sullivan. And, and other guys have, instead. Um, he has absolutely earned that job. <laughs> this is not <laughs> a, mo- a move of desperation. The Vikings could have been perfectly content to stick with Cameron Dantzler, like was like what was their preseason plan. Uh, but Duke Shelley, despite being five foot nine and running a four five, has played like the second best corner the Vikings have had this year. Put he was, right he was playing with fire a little bit against Christian Watson. There were there were some really he play- always does. Yeah, it, it's, just, it's it's I love how he's playing. Let me be clear. You're right that he is playing as the second best corner for the Vikings. I am just worried the the recovery against Christian Watson to catch up and catch that and deflect that pass. I think it was in the first quarter. Right, was phenomenal. Yeah, the long one. Right. Um, I think that a better placed ball results in a touchdown. Right. Like, and that's my concern, right? Is that I don't like relying on and recovery is a trait for corners. It's something that you scout. It's really important to have, you know, good recovery when you're out of phase and you know, the ability to mm-hmm. kind of, you know, catch. That's all critical and a big part of cornerback play. But relying on recovery is worrisome to me. So I'm, I'm concerned. I am also impressed. So I'll, I'll say that. Uh, yeah. I, I also think that's the- my stat of the week. So I'm good to go, whatever. <laughs> the the reason he that that he did get out of phase in that I think is also it's it is an effect of the reason that he's won the job which is that he does not give up a ton of cushion like he will line up eight yards off he'll maybe backpedal like two more where you would see Cam Dantzler would backpedal up to 15 oh, yeah, he, yards he'd and line up a nine I yard mean, he'd be completion. as if he's yeah he would bail technique yeah yeah um and Duke Shelley doesn't do that and then yeah if, if you know, you don't give enough cushion. Maybe somebody like Christian Watson can get space on you and then you have to recover. Uh, but that situation, I think, I think that's, that's worth it when compared to Cam Dantzler. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I think if, if we're speaking outright comparison easily, I would take Shelley yeah. over Dantzler right now. Right. Certainly there should be a competition next year. It's just, to me, the question mm-hmm. is, what does this say about the Vikings investment at corner in the off season? And I think so far, not very much be very content no. in having, you know, a really high level, you know, backup corner and have them compete with whoever you bring in. But yep. that's, bring that's into camp and see what happens, but yeah. definitely don't let it stop you from like drafting a guy. If you like one. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you're going to have Patrick Peterson either. You yeah. May I have, mean, yeah. You may you have to figure well. out like every have, single they have three corners under contract next year. They yeah. need everyone <laughs> bring yeah. that, bring in all round of them. one, round two, round e- five. Evans, if Booth Four of is them healthy, yeah. they, they desperately need other, like, Duke Shelley's an amazing find. Go find a couple more. Like, you need yeah, to, right. to, you need to, yeah. Go find you some Who's Duke the Shelley? best corner in the CFL? <laughs> <laughs> Can they get other washed-up corners from the Bears? Is Kendall Vilder doing anything? <laughs> Let's find out. Let's call him. Nerdy well, stat, Arif? Yeah. Okay, so, um, Viking special teams, we've been praising it essentially all year up until about the Colts game. And then we've held back 
from phrasing it. And I think fair enough, right? Um, the Viking special teams have looked uh, out of sync. It's not just kind of these big plays that have been concerning. It's, you know, like decisions like the, the, the throwing to Jalen Naylor in fourth and one. You know, it, it feels like, you know, it, it kickoff returns even outside of the Keyshawn Nixon one, it feels like they're not playing as well. So I looked at the uh, special teams EPA that they've given up. So for the first eight weeks of the season, the Vikings were third in the NFL and special teams EPA generated. Um, in Since week nine, and I just chose the halfway mark of the season. I'm sure I could choose another one arbitrarily that would make it look worse. Um, they've been the third worst uh, in the NFL, only ahead of the Tampa Buccaneers and the Pittsburgh Steelers, whose special teams units I cannot remember making any significant failures in my memory, but I'm sure something embarrassing has happened to them very recently. Um, so that from like essentially third, yeah, third best to third worst over that span um, is really telling of how much we can rely on special teams to help make up a difference. I think that is just very volatile, kind of generally speaking. Uh, and also uh, telling that you can't rest on your laurels. Like, great, you lead the league in, um, you know, field position following a kickoff. Great, you lead the league in expected points generated based off of field position following punts. Ryan Wright rules, that makes sense, Right. But you can't really, like, they say there are three phases to the game, right? Offense, defense, special teams. We know, statistically speaking, that special teams has about an 18% impact on the outcome of the game compared to the offense and the defense. It's offense, defense, then special teams. But special teams has the highest variance out of all of them. So uh, mm -hmm. obviously in some games they can have enormous impact, some games they have a small impact. But if you have a good special teams, that doesn't mean much. Greg Joseph rested on his laurels. He hit there a 61 yarder. Nailed it. Since hitting a 61 yarder, Greg Joseph is 0 for He's 2 been coasting. from beyond 30 yards. Oh, 30. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Were you really stunned at that? Were you stunned at that? that He's only made one kick that? and it was like a chip shot, right? Isn't it? Yeah, that... that's, yeah. It was just In the like, one when game. You phrase he played. it like that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All the right. For uh, two part plays a pretty big role in the 0 for 2. I get it. But, oof. Yeah. I have a similar one um, because of all the noise that was made about DVOA going into the game. It is absolutely hilarious that that game was the fifth best game the Vikings have played on defensive DVOA. That makes uh, sense. It does make sense. It is just very funny that a game that ended up 41 to 17. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the fifth best one that you have. Well, so the, pa the Packers scored 27 points on offense, right? Because 14 other points were on special teams. So those 27 right. points all essentially and, occurred on turnovers. Right. Like fumble, and, turnover on downs, if you include that, and a turnover on downs that includes on the field goal. So great field position for those 27 points. Yes. At, to your special teams point, special teams DVOA in that game had a larger negative impact than the defense has ever had on the Vikings this year in a single single game. Amazing. Uh, yeah. And in the last three weeks, they gave up the punt block touchdown against Indianapolis and the kickoff return touchdown and some missed field goals in this game. Those like the, the EPA is probably driven like entirely by that stuff, which is why special teams is so swinging so, and, and, and bursty because it's large swings like that. Yeah. That will, like drive the entire thing. And I think the point of that I wanted to get at in this game as a whole is the stuff that killed you is really easy to fix such that we can be mad that you hadn't fixed it beforehand. Yes. But heading into this bears game, get the right shoes on, get your snap counts, right? Don't give up kickoff returns. Done. And like you're, you're how probably much, fine. Yeah. Yeah. How, that, how many problems fine. are left that caused you to lose this game, right? Like those things are easy to fix and I don't think you carry them into the playoffs with you, but that needs to be the goal of week 18 is get the right shoes on. Don't give up a kickoff return and get a play called successfully. It should be noted that football outsiders has never liked the Viking special teams, even when they were one of the top three teams in special teams EPA, because they count the fumbles right? The Vikings and the muffed punts, right? The Vikings have recovered their own muffed punts and their own fumbles on special teams and have recovered the opponent's fumbles and muffed punts on special teams. And DVOA treats all of those as 50% outcomes. So the Vikings don't recover as many as they cause, and they don't recover as many as, as they fielded, 
Now, I think overall fumble percentage, the Vikings are even, but the reason DVOA has never liked the Vikings special teams uh, is because of Jalen Rager and Greg Joseph. Um, just the special teams aside, I don't know if you guys watched a lot about South Carolina. Was it South Carolina, Notre what? Dame bowl game? The greatest punt I've ever seen nullified by an ineligible man downfield. Um, it was Wait, it, it, even better than the Tampa Buccaneers ineligible man downfield punt that ruled. I don't Did, remember that Martin? one. It was, it, like was last, better. it was like this week. I didn't see it. Um, I'm not Ooh. a situational master. Um, it was better. <laughs> Luke, you know what I'm talking about, right? It was better than the Michael the Dixon punt last year for the Seahawks, where he rolled out like way to the left and had to kick kind of on the run. This guy. That's what happened. Low, low snap. And he had to scramble. He's running wildly. He's in a crowd. He's running to his left. He drop kicks with his right foot running to his left. Literally describing the Jake Camarda punt. A lot. Okay. This is well, incredible. They both happened. One this, in college football because he happened. also scrambles. Now I don't think it was a low snap. Oh he also scrambles oh against an incredible like a punt rush. Which one are you long. watching, Bron? The Jake Camarda one. Oh, that's awesome. And he punts with the wrong foot on the run surrounded by a crowd. The and wrong he nails foot. it. Okay, yeah. I think I think Down the other the guy was the correct footedness, so maybe this does beat it. And it was like I think it went where did it go out, Luke? At like the two or something crazy like that? Downed at the uh like one and a half it looked like. <laughs> like insane. He's on the sideline and it and it's downed? That's wild wild best pun i've ever seen in my life i've seen where do, right where do i find what a this? great year for dope punter stuff yeah uh, i don't know just twitter search jake marta and look at twitter and look at the videos tab wait was it the rams game which know, game I, was I, it? I remember Bucks the Buccaneers. Panthers. yeah with 31 seconds to go by the way yeah and like so like was, we're in the it was, clutch it was here. clutch yeah you gotta add that in there too oh and he took a hit this is the punter equivalent of like taking a shot and throwing like a perfect corner ball for a for a okay. touchdown. Yeah, I'm watching except it. Game every the other quarterback in the league in that scenario crumbles, right? Like it's in a world oh, where yeah. no other quarterback has done that. That's the equivalent. This is a really embarrassing moment for me. I'm about to confess something. Is it so, actually? Is this the one that you saw? This is the one that I saw. And you attributed <laughs> to a college football game, and I thought I I thought it was from when I was watching bowl <laughs> games. Mm-mm. Oh, it looked like a college play. It I did. Thought, well, the moving oh, punts, like it's very. It college. feels like a college play, like this. Is the I kind just of watched thing. it because it's a it's lot more college football stupid. than yeah. usual. Yeah. Oh, I got really. I'm sorry. Incredible job, Sam. <laughs> I right. led you. Are we doing party fouls today? That's yeah. mine. <laughs> um. Yeah, that can just be all of our party fouls. Um. I wanted to give a gambling update to close. I can't believe I made oh, that mistake. I have no idea what I gambled on. All right. It's that. over. It's over for it's me. It's over. I am the. Easily the last place contestant. I'm going to be doing a you go snow-covered two? punt, pass, and kick competition at your whim. Uh, I'm minus $5,669.97. Nice. I pushed and lost in my two oh. bets this week. Now, there's nothing really at stake for the winner that we've established, but maybe we want to establish by Thursday because it's tight. Uh, Braun, 884. Inman, 592. Arif, 460. You're all in it. I don't love that, though. You can all win. None of you can lose. It's a sweet scenario because you can bet big with no fear. The best I can possibly do is get to minus 2,000. Jesus Christ, Sam. So just don't go below that. Or if you had some some real fortitude, maybe you would. Maybe you would actually put a lot on the line. Take out some insurance on your kneecaps, man. I don't know who we loan shark (laughs) for this, but you're in trouble. Do you have a go bag? Yeah, you got to get a bug out bag. Yeah. Uh, yep, got my toothbrush, change of Passport, underwear, some energy, bucks. energy bars, Red Bull. Change of clothes, first aid kit. You're going to um, need the first aid fake, kit. Fake mustache, snake yeah. venom. <laughs> Mr. Incognito, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the whole nine yards. Uh, that was the Minnesota football party for today. He's Arif Hassan on Twitter, at Arif Hassan NFL. Luke Braun's on Twitter, at Luke Braun NFL. And I'm on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Hold the NFL. Didn't put that part on. Um, We'll be back on Thursday. Luke Inman will rejoin us on the Minnesota football party. So long, everyone.
that's a wrap. All right. Peace out. Thanks, Good guys. Job, everyone. Where is Inman? Inman has been PTO the last four shows, and today he is at a funeral. Oh, wow. Do you know who? Wife's grandfather. Oof. Oh, that's too bad. That's rough. Yeah. All right. Peace out. All right. Bye. Later.